Our scripture reading for this evening comes from 1 Corinthians 15, reading the verses 29 through 58. And this reading is going to cover sections like the resurrection body and the mystery and victory. So verse 29. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptised on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ, Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I've fought with beasts in Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. The star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as and as and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. 
The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. So far this reading of God's holy word. The text verses are from verses 54 to 55, 54b. Death is swallowed up in victory or death. Where is your victory or death? Where is your sting? That's the topic as well. Death is swallowed up in victory. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we continue this evening the second part of 1 Corinthians 15. And we as human beings must admit that death confuses. Death is a bully. A challenge that we need to face one day. And we know and confess that we are alive in Jesus, but in our human weakness, we are afraid of death. The deathbed. And what is more harder than standing at the open grave of a loved one? In our passage, this chapter, the Apostle Paul answered questions from the congregation in Corinth. And if we summarize the passage from last week, we know he did not try to explain the resurrection of Christ because it's a fact. This is the basis of Christian faith. This is the reality. He said in verses 12 and 13, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. It's all about a resurrection. That's our hope. And so Paul also explained that we were dead, and we knew that we were dead because of our sinful nature, dead in Adam and Eve. For by man came death. That's Adam and Eve. And Paul was telling the congregation and us that before their salvation, we were dead. Dead in our transgressions and sin because of the original sin of Adam and Eve. Sin, we know, stands in direct Direct contrast to God's will. And God hates him. He did not tolerate it. And it is punished by body and soul eternally. But then the Lord gave his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the second Adam, Paul said. Through the first Adam, death entered into the world. And all Adam's descendants, that's you and I, were infected by this virus called death. So that all people die. Then the Lord gave his son and everything changed. The second Adam. Jesus has been raised from the dead, making possible the resurrection of all who believe in Jesus. So that we are raised in Jesus to a new life already in faith. But still the Corinthians had more questions. Maybe you have two about death and resurrection. And they asked difficult questions. 
Verse 29, they asked, What do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? This is one for Rob who asked me last week, what what does it mean? And I said, I don't know. This is a difficult question with no clear meaning. Very isolated question. With no reference to other passages. We're also not held by verse 30 either. We are in danger every hour. But if you go back to the context... It gives us a better understanding. We must remember that the first Christians faced persecution and death. Had to fight beasts in the arena as enemies of the godless Roman Empire. And so Paul said he did as well in Ephesus. And therefore, some believers in Corinth lost their life before they were baptized. And others were baptized on their behalf. This was done for pastoral reasons, mainly for the comfort of their families. But Apostle Paul was negative about this practice. Baptism does not save. Jesus does. The sacraments do not provide faith, but strengthen existing faith. And therefore Paul said, you have a wrong understanding of baptism and the resurrection. Baptism is the sign and seal of your forgiveness in Jesus. They were not saved by baptism, but through Jesus. The faith in which they faced the beasts of the, in the arena was of more value than their baptism. And so the Apostle Paul asked him, If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? And it is irrational, he said. Can't seem if the resurrection of Jesus is doubted. Also the fact that we are alive in Jesus now already. Is this relevant today? Yes. Because some people use the same argument against the last rites of the Roman Catholics. They are following a similar practice, although with the Lord's Supper. The last rites are a collection of prayers and sacraments that are administered to a person who is in grave danger of dying. And according to their own documents, if a practicing Catholic is in danger of death from sickness, illness, old age, or about to undergo a high-risk surgery, they may request to have the last rites be performed to help with their recovery or ask God to help ease their, suffer, ease their suffering in their final journey. But our answer would be the same as Paul. The Bible teaches a complete and perfect justification for the believer from the moment favors exercise until death and beyond. If someone is justified by faith in Jesus, he or she will go to heaven. Immediately, think of the sinner on the cross next to Jesus. He wasn't baptized. And though they have rem- the remains of sin at death, we are perfectly justified of all our sins, past, present, and future, by the true saving in Jesus Christ. And so, the Apostle Paul directs the congregation to the Word of God. Hold firmly to the Gospel. Do not be deceived, he says. 
This is our comfort. And he also says it's a matter of shame that people are ignorant of the resurrection and vulnerable to corruption. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Rather hold on to the gospel and teach the gospel. Then they asked another difficult question. How are the dead raised? What kind of body do they, with what kind of body do they come? The Apostle Paul did not answer the first question. Because it could appear if someone doubts the resurrection. He already said it's a fact. That's the basis of Christian faith. God will raise the dead by his spirit. Therefore, the Apostle Paul focused on the second question. Is this a relevant question in our context today? Many have questions about this. What kind of body do they come when we are resurrected? People cannot imagine a dead body becoming alive. And so Hollywood made us a multi-million dollar, probably trillion, money-making business. There are movies and television series about the walking dead and zombies, but we will not be zombies. And so the Apostle Paul shuts down the question and mockery of the resurrection because this is what it is with the word foolish person. You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. With this, the Apostle Paul explains what happens when we die and are buried. Paul says our bodies are like seeds which grow into resurrection bodies. When you bury the body of a believer, you are sowing a seed that will come out of earth as a resurrection body. And of course, that will happen when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. But about that later. Very important that the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, explains this beautifully with what happens at a grave. Truly, It is never a pleasant sound. The rattle of the clay upon the coffin lid. Earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. But nor to the farmer for its own sake would it be a very pleasant thing to put his grain into the dull cold earth. Yet no farmer weeps when he sows his seed. Our family circle has been broken, say you. Yes, but only broken that it may be reformed. You have lost a dear friend. Yes, but only lost lost that friend so that you may find him again and find more than you lost. They are not lost. They are sown. This is why we can be comforted at a grave. Why the Christian burial is such a beautiful, comforting symbol to understand the resurrection of the dead, a seed that is sown. And we are expecting our loved one that is buried to be raised again the same as our Lord Jesus Christ was raised. Yes, comforts Paul, comforts Paul 
in verses 42 to 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. We will be raised by the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised the Lord Jesus. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body. There's also a spiritual body. And it's hard to understand what our resurrection bodies will be like. So Paul used contrast to help us understand and giving four contrasts between our present body and our future resurrection body. And on all counts, the resurrection body wins. Paul said, you should understand our earthly bodies in comparison to the resurrection body like this. Perishable, perishable versus imperishable. There's honor versus honor. Weakness versus power, natural versus spiritual. Against Charles Spurgeon, the righteous are put into the graves all weary and worn. But as such, they will not raise. They go in there with the wrinkled brow, the hollow cheek, the wrinkled skin. They shall wake up in beauty and glory. What a comfort. And again, Paul gave all glory to our Lord Jesus Christ in his explanation about our glorified resurrection bodies. And he explained that the first man, Adam, gave us one kind of body. The second perfect man, Jesus, the last Adam, will give us another kind of body. And he's a life-giving spirit. We have all been born of the first Adam. Sin came, then the fall, death came. But those who put their trust in the last Adam, Jesus, will bear his resurrection image. From the first Adam, we were all made of dust. But from the last Adam, we were made heavenly. And for believers, the promise is sure that we shall bear the image of the man of heaven. Verse 49. This is Jesus. How will our bodies be? And you should never over-question the Bible. But let's go back to the example of Jesus when he was resurrected. And there's many. You can read it in Revelation as well. Luke 24 verse 31. Jesus' body was not bound by the laws of nature, and the eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. We'll be like that? we be like that? We don't know for certain. Paul also said, we see but dimly in a mirror. Resurrection body of Jesus was material and could eat. We know that. Luke 24, verse 39 to 43. See my hands and my feet, that is, this is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said as he showed him his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Remember, Paul said, We will bear the image of the man of heaven, verse 49. 
we know and understand so little still at this site. But we are comforted that our resurrection bodies will be beyond description better than we can ever imagine. This, however, is not our greatest responsibility. Our task and prayers are to expect Jesus, Paul says, and pray for his return. When Jesus comes again, all will change, and we will receive this imperishable or glorified body, which death can never destroy, and it will be in a moment. This will be when the last trumpet sounds. Paul explained that in verses 52 to 53. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, like clothes. A new body like new clothes. And the Apostle Paul explained also that to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Paul answered their questions of what will happen to the believers that died and are now in heaven when Jesus returns. And to them he explained in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And so Paul states that those believers who make up the church of Jesus Christ will rise together when Jesus returns. Those who are asleep will meet up with their spirits, while those who are alive will rise and be given a new glorified body. What a comfort. Death is not as final as it seems. That's the comfort. Your loved ones have not missed out on the coming of the Lord. They will be the first one to receive their new glorified bodies. And that answered the Thessalonians' concerns and questions. No one who has placed his or her faith in Jesus will any way miss out on his return. God provides hope and a hopeless world through the resurrection. Therefore, we can be comforted beyond the grave, beyond sickness, beyond pain. Death is defeated. And Paul says, confess with him at the grave of every believer, O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, knowing death is the defeated enemy, that bully is defeated already because of Jesus' resurrection. And now we almost taunted death. Death has no power over the person who is found in Jesus Christ. We are no longer subject to the penalty of the law, death, and we are set free from sin. Sin was the ultimate cause of death, Romans 6 verse 23, Genesis 2 verse 17, and Jesus defeated death, therefore all glory to Jesus. And for us who believe in him, be assured, God won the victory over death, through the crucified and risen Lord, we do not know when the last trumpet will sound, but we know that whenever that will be, God will give us the crown of victory which Jesus had won already. First Corinthians 10. And it will be glorious. That's our hope. Revelation 21. There will be no more sin and death. 
There will be no more tears in all eternity. Because death shall be no more. There will be no need for doctors. The hammers will be out of work. And Jesus' promise in Matthew 5 verse 4 will be fulfilled. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then the Apostle Paul concluded this lengthy sermon in 1 Corinthians 15 with gratitude to God. A last exhortation to us believers who are still waiting. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Death is defeated. And you have an eternal, resurrected future with Jesus. Therefore, you can stand firm, unshakable in your faith, all the more right now. Yes, we should continue with our work, but we should be steadfast in Him, grounded in the Lord. Do not be deceived. And we should continue to spread the good news and the assurance that our work in His name is not wasted. Jesus is coming soon, and He is risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. That's so clear. Giving us great comfort in times of death and pain and confusion. Because death confuses. But we also know, Lord, that death is defeated. And will be totally defeated when our Lord Jesus comes again. It is the last enemy, and we all will face that, but it has no sting anymore because our Lord Jesus Christ is risen. Father, we pray for your people, your congregation. We pray for all those who are hurt. We pray for all those, and it's all of us, Lord, who in our lives were standing at graves of loved ones. But thank you also, Lord, for our comfort that we know we can expect to see them again, that their bodies is sown like a seed and will be raised as well, and so will be our bodies. Therefore, we don't fear the grave. Our Lord Jesus Christ is risen. In his name we pray. Amen.